Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast of Life Church in Perry, Georgia. Let's join Pastor Tim McLaughlin and go to the message. have your Bibles, you can go to Matthew chapter 4. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 4. Last week we transitioned from hidden treasures to kingdom treasures. Uh, I know we had a lot of people out last week, and man, but the Spirit of the Lord moved last week, and uh, uh, I only preached for about 15 minutes, and uh, Pastor Frankie told me the other day, he said, why'd you quit? And I said, well, sometimes I allow that clock back there to dictate me. And he said, brother, he said, why don't you let the Spirit of God dictate? So uh, if you're sitting here at 1 o'clock today, it's not my fault. Blame Pastor Frankie, all right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Some of you laugh and the rest of you are going, you better not. <laughs> Hallelujah. Think about this for a second. We're going we're to kind of unwrap this. And i got so many thoughts going on in my head and so many things that I'm, I'm, I want to get across to you um, over hopefully the next couple of weeks. But did you know, if you read your word, if you, if you study your Bible, if you, especially if you study the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, did you know that for three and a half years, while Jesus was on this earth, Jesus never preached a single message on healing. Jesus never preached a single salvation message. Jesus never preached a prosperity message. For three and a half years, Jesus preached kingdom. And because Jesus preached kingdom, people got saved, people got healed, people got blessed. We need to get back to kingdom. The reason I believe in doing things we do in the community, the reason I believe that you need to be part of the ministerial association, the reason that, that I take time and I'm starting a chaplaincy program with the Perry Police Department, the reason we're doing sweets and treats, the reason that we partner up with the schools, the reason we do the things that we do is because we've got to be kingdom. We meet here on Sunday, and the sign out there says Life Church, but the reality is we are kingdom. We are His church. I've, I've said this before. I'll continue to say it, and, and I, I've given you permission. I've given my wife permission that if I ever say my church, she can correct me. I give you permission to correct me because it's not my church. It's his church. It's our church. But we're going to be a kingdom church. When we get so to the point where we start saying, well, it's my church, this is my seat, this is my parking lot, this is the way we do things around my church, we're no longer kingdom church. But when everything we do, Colossians 3.23, we do is under the Lord, not as under man. When everything we do is for the kingdom. When everything we plan and everything we do goes along with our vision to encourage, to encounter, to equip. 
We're going to see this church grow for the kingdom. We're going to see people get saved for the kingdom. We're going to see people get healed for the kingdom. We're going to see people blessed for the kingdom. I want to be so kingdom-minded that I'm no earthly good. I want to be so heavenly-minded that I, I just the things of this world, the cares of this world just don't affect me anymore. I want to be so kingdom-minded that even some of the silly comments that I hear from people don't even affect me anymore. Thank you, sir. I said silly. Stupid was what I wanted to, but I went with silly anyways just to let you know I calmed it down, all right? I was listening to Kenneth Hagin. I've been, I've been, man, I've just been, I've listened to this thing so many times. It's starting to, you know, I, I don't know if CDs, I know cassette tapes used to do that. If you played them too many times, it went, my, my CD player starting to get to the point where he's like, have you not heard enough? Because I just keep on backing it up, backing it up, backing it up. Where Dad Hagin kept on saying, he said, we need to be more spirit-minded than we are flesh-minded. The problem with so many is, is we're so fleshly-minded, we, we, we allow, I don't feel, you know, I, I'm, I'm hurting today, I'm, I'm uncomfortable today, I don't feel like it today. Where if we're spirit-minded, if everything we do is led by the Spirit of God, we don't allow those fleshly things to bother us. We're going to go to church and we're going to worship regardless of how I feel. I don't know about you, but there's times where I get up at 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the morning, and I don't feel age kicks in. I went to, to my optometrist a few years ago, and he said, the good news is, Tim, he said, it's nothing that age didn't cause. Some of you got glasses, understand what I'm talking about. For, for years, boy, I could see, I mean, even to this day, I can read the, the handicap sign from right here. I got great long vision. But the reason I started preaching from an iPad is because I can blow that font up a whole lot bigger and not have to wear those glasses. But in order to get on that iPad, I got to have those glasses on. I got to be, in order to read my Bible, when I'm reading the Bible, people look at me sometimes, even if I got my phone, because like, Pastor, are you okay? I'm like, I'm great. As long as it's right there, I can read it. But he says, it's nothing that age didn't call. Sometimes I get up in the morning and I roll out of bed and Sheridan's still over there asleep and she'll hear me go, oh. She said, are you all right? It's like, ain't nothing age didn't cause. But for some of us, we get that, and we're like, well, I'm just, I'm not going to go today. When I get that, uh, I was sharing, I think I was sharing this with Brother Wade real quick. I told you to go to Matthew. Hold your finger in Matthew real quick. Go to Jude real quickly, quickly. Pastor, you're going to get to the point. I'm going to get there when I get there, okay? Go to Jude real quick. Book of Jude, it's, it's right before the Revelation. There's only one chapter Jude. Everybody find Jude? I'm waiting, because if you're just waiting on the screen, it ain't going to pop up there, all right? Everybody find Jude. Revelation, back up a page. It's only one page, maybe two if you got a big Bible, I don't know. Jude. Verse 9, it says, Yet Michael, the archangel, contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a rivaling accusation. See, that's the problem. I preach for four weeks, I don't give the devil satisfaction, and I still hear people arguing about the devil. 
We want to argue with the devil. We do. So, you know, oh, the devil, you know, he's, I, I, heard, I heard somebody this morning make the comment about what the, well, the devil's just trying to do this, or the devil's trying to, the devil's trying to do this in our church. The devil, he can't get past those doors. Thank you. He can't get past those doors. He can't get around me. I got angels encamped around me. When angels are encamped around me, the devil has no place. Do you understand that the Bible says that Jesus can flick demons with his finger? If God can flick demons with his finger and I got angels around me, the, the, the devil's not coming anywhere near me. So Michael, the archangel right here, he said when the devil came and he wanted to know where the body of Moses was at, he said, I didn't get into this argument with him. He said, all I told him was, look at this verse 9, the Lord rebuke you. Everybody say that with me. The Lord rebuke you. When I roll over in the morning, brother, uh, I sit up on the edge of my bed. I said, the Lord rebuke you. When I walk into the bathroom and I don't look as good as I'd like to look, I said, the Lord rebuke you. You didn't have to laugh that hard, brother. Come on now. See, some of us need to start taking some authority and say, the Lord rebuke you. Well, it's, it's hard to stand for 30 minutes of worship. The Lord rebuke you. It's hard to let it come out of my mouth. The Lord rebuke. Listen, anything that's trying to hinder you, just rebuke it. Not in Tim's name. Not in, in the Lord's name. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you, sickness. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you, poverty. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you, addiction. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you. In Jesus' name, anything that tries to hold you down, rebuke it in the name of Jesus, and it will flee. James says, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. The problem is some of us want to hold hands with him. I'm just telling you, if, if, you're, if you're ever going to grow, if you're ever going to get where you need to get, you need to quit dancing with the enemy. Rebuke him. Take authority that you've been given in the name of Jesus and stand upright and give glory. Give glory to the Lord. Give glory, honor, and praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I can tell. I'm, I'm up here on the front row. Out of the corner of my eye, I can see Debbie. But other than that, I can't see any of you. But I can tell if you're standing or if you're sitting by the volume of the singing. I'm not a singer. I'm not a music teacher. But I do understand a little about some, some, some things about your body. When you're sitting down, your diaphragm can't open as, as, as right? But when you're standing, Pastor, are you doing all this just because we were sitting down? Yes! Man, it's time to stand up and give the Lord some praise. Well, my back hurts. The Lord rebuke it in Jesus' name. Oh, I feel better. Matthew chapter 4. Praise the Lord. Why do you do that? Because I got the microphone. <laughs> Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 4. So Jesus for three and a half years went about teaching 
on the kingdom. Look at this, Matthew 4, 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among them. What did Jesus teach on? The kingdom. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to stand behind this desk. Lord, I, I, I pray right now in the name that is above every name. Lord, I need your anointing. I need you, Holy Spirit, right now. Lord, to fix my attention on what it is that you'd have me to say. Take authority of all of my thoughts. Anoint my tongue as the pen of the ready writer. Anoint my lips to speak forth the oracles of God. Help me, Father, to get across clearly to your people, your saints, this church, what it is you'd have for me to get across to bring all glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus taught kingdom. I was sitting down with a pastor friend of mine this past week. We started doing a Bible study on Wednesday. I, I don't know why we call it Bible study because we'll just, usually it's me doing all the talking. Can you imagine that? I don't know. But you know, I started getting off on a tangent or something. He's just sitting there writing down notes. He's like, really? I said, yeah, I said, I've been teaching on this. And, and if you'll go over here, you know, that's the problem. I forgot who it was I was talking to. I think it was Alice. I hope she's okay today. I don't see Alice here. But uh, Alice, we were talking the other day. She goes, I just think you just like to study. And I said, well, you're right. You know, I'm taking, I'm taking seminary classes, master level classes. I like to study. I'm reading books. I got a stack of books. I'm just, I'm always reading books. I'm getting ready for sermon prep. I'm always reading. Sometimes the reason I, I get behind here and I can't follow my notes is because I got all these other thoughts that are coming in from all this other stuff that I'm studying. I just love to study because I want to draw closer to Him. I want to get near to Him. I want to be kingdom minded. So me and this pastor were sitting there and we were talking the other day about the kingdom. I told him some things I was teaching. He started texting me this week. He's like, he's like hey, I, I saw this video. Hey, I watched this thing. Hey, have you ever thought about this? What about this scripture right here? I'm like, oh, come on, brother. You're just pouring gas on the fire. I love it. I, I, I want to just draw as much as I can for the kingdom. The kingdom of God. When, when we look in our Bible many times, we'll see different phrases. Some will see kingdom of God, some will see kingdom of heaven. In many cases, in most cases, they mean the same thing. Now you can read different commentaries, you can read, and some people say they're talking about two different things, but the reality is heaven is God's kingdom. So most of the time when you're reading in the Bible, if you go back and you look in the original, original Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic, you see the, tr the phrases kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. They refer to the same thing. Look at this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Matthew 13, verse 44 says, And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. We're talking about kingdom treasures the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid for the joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field I love that he, 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 he finds something in this field and he got rid of everything else that would stand in the way of him getting what he found 
Pastor Frankie was up there and they were singing about this. They're, they're about, you know, how can we not? You know, you've been looking and you found. You've been looking and you found. What are you going to do with it? Listen, I've told you this before, but, but th this is not the life that, that Tim, the old man, Tim, not, not age, the, the, I'm talking about the, the guy before me, Tim. Don't get confused. Don't let the gray confuse you, okay? The, the old man, wake up, all right? The old man, Tim, did, had no plans of being a preacher. I mean, when, if you'd ask Sheridan and I, we got married in 1996. Listen, I was in the car business. She was into nursing. We had this thing figured out. We're going to work like crazy for about 20 years. We're going to make a lot of money. Kids are going to graduate college. And, hey, we're hitting the road. Man, we're going to get an RV. We're gone. We're going to see the nation. But God. And I'm in Perry. It's part of the nation. I-75 South. But, but when you think about this, when he called me, I said, Lord, whatever. I and mean, we actually had a 32-foot camper. We sold it. We got rid of a lot of stuff before we moved. We sold it. Listen, those things won't get me into heaven. Those things won't advance the kingdom of heaven. Those things are, are not what God told me to do. I'm doing what God said to do. I have, I have gotten rid of everything else, and I have given myself to serving the Lord for the advancement of the kingdom. This man found a treasure. It was so valuable that he went and sold all so that he could buy it. You ever heard that phrase, having one foot in and one foot out? I think there's a lot of people in churches today that are doing that. They got one foot in, one foot out. They got, they got their Sunday foot here. I'm saved. Hallelujah. I'll, I'll even maybe speak in tongues, maybe. But boy, on Monday, I'm back in the world. I got my job. I got my car. I got my clothes. I got my life. And if Wednesday rolls around and I'm having too much fun on this side, then I'm going to stay on this side. Instead of saying, I'm sold out for the kingdom. I'm sold out for the kingdom. Throughout the Gospel of Matthew, we see Matthew using this phrase, kingdom of heaven, when referring to the announcement of the rule of Christ Jesus and the good news. Matthew uses this phrase throughout his whole Bible to announce the rule of Jesus Christ and the good news. He does this out of sensitivity to the Jews who avoid mentioning the sacred name of God. That's why we see in Matthew's gospel so many times the kingdom of heaven instead of the kingdom of God. Because Matthew was a Jew. And Matthew didn't want to write kingdom of God because other Jews would get upset. Now when you read other gospels like Luke, who was a Gentile, Luke will use kingdom of God. Because to him, it wasn't offensive. It wasn't something to, to be scared of. I, I hear, hear people all the time. Somebody asked me the question not too long ago um, about the names of God. And sometimes, depending on your Bible, especially you King James people, you'll see a lot of times in your Bible where it talks about God and you'll only see four letters. Y-W-H, Y-W-B-H, something like that, right? I can't even think about it. Because they won't say Yahweh. 
They can't pronounce, they, they, won't, they won't let it come out of their lips because they, they oh, I'm, I'm impure to say that. Versus Gentiles, those that are not Jew, man, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Tiskanu, Jehovah, you know, who, they're, they're going to proclaim it. Versus the Jews are like, the kingdom of, kingdom of heaven is good. It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God and his power. It's the kingdom of Jesus Christ and his rule and his reign. The kingdom is the Greek word basilia. The kingdom is the Greek word basilia, which means royal power. The kingdom of heaven is the royal power of Jesus as the triumphant Messiah. The kingdom of heaven is the royal power and dignity conferred upon Christians in the Messiah's kingdom. Let me say this again. The kingdom, when we read this in the Bible, especially when we're reading it in Matthew's gospel, when you see this phrase, it's the Greek word basilia, royal power. It's the power of Jesus, the triumphant king. So as a child of God, as a born-again Christian, that power, that royal power, that royal dignity is conferred upon us in the Messiah's kingdom. Let me, let me do it a different way. I always think about Jeremiah 1.5. He says, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb and I bestowed upon you. I always think of it this way because this is how my mind works. Everything turns into a film when it gets into my, my head. So I always think of, of this uh, a knight. You know, uh, he goes out and he wins some battles or whatever, and he comes before the king, and he bows before the king, and the king will take his sword, and the king will anoint him, bestow upon him, and make him part. He's part of the kingdom. Now he, as a knight, he has power in that royal kingdom. When you and I confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, when we make Him Lord of our lives, when we sell all to purchase, when we sell all to receive all that the kingdom has, we get the power of the kingdom. That's going over and boom, all right? Listen, when you, when you made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, when I made Jesus Lord of my life, when I, when I confessed him and said, I want you to be Lord of all, I'm going to do whatever you say. Now, he's not going to call all of you into ministry, so don't freak out and think you've got to quit your jobs right now. But some of you, I think he's called. But the reality is this. When you say, listen, I'm going to work a secular job, but I'm going to tell all about Jesus. I'm going to give my tithes. I'm going to give my offerings. I'm going to support missions. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to be a part of my local church. Listen, from 1996 till 2004, when we were still in the secular world, my wife and I were serving in the local church on a regular basis. I was mowing the grass. I was cleaning the toilets. I was doing whatever my pastor asked to do I would show up late I would work 10 12 hour days and I'd go by the church and ask the pastor what he needed to get done because I wanted I wanted to be part of the kingdom I wanted to see the kingdom advanced because I made Jesus Lord of my life I received the power and the blessing that went with being part of that kingdom what is the treasure that we need to sell out for it's the power of the kingdom. It's the power of the kingdom and our Messiah. We, 
to, to receive this power, we need to sell out to Jesus. Give him our all. The kingdom is a priceless treasure that is to be valued and desired above all else. The kingdom of God is not a place like the United States of America. The kingdom of, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is not a place like the United States of, a rule, of America, but rather it is the, it's the rule of God. When the kingdom of heaven, when the kingdom of God is proclaimed, we see, we see with a call to repentance, which is a call of submission. That's what salvation is, folks. That's what, that's what repentance is. That's what, that's what making Him Lord of your life is. It, it, it's a call to submit your whole life to the King of Kings. People who become part of God's kingdom must be willing to give up everything that could hinder the relationship with God and prevent them from accomplishing His purpose for their lives. Now, don't think for a single second what I'm telling you is that, that you can earn a place in heaven. That's not what I'm saying. You can't, you can't earn anything. The, the reality is, is he already paid the price for it. He's already given you the ability to take hold of it. The treasure was already there. The man found the treasure. He just had to be willing to do whatever it took to get it. Jesus paid the ultimate price. He, 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 when he said it is finished, the veil tore from top to bottom. We no, no longer need to go to a priest. We no longer need to, to kill a goat or a sheep. All we need to do is call upon Jesus, and it's ours. But again, it goes back to this. We can, we can call upon him. We can say, Lord, I want to be saved. Lord, I want to be a Christian. But can I still hold on to the world. Can I, can I still live with one foot over here? And listen, you know, there's a lot of people, I've heard people say this before about, you know, sliding into heaven by the skin of your teeth. I, I, I said this before and I'm studying it out. I'm, I'm going to get there one of these days. There's going to be two judgments. There's going to be the great white throne judgment and then there's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. And I think there's going to be a lot of people in a lot of churches that are going to make it to one but not the other. Is there anybody in here that has something that tells them when you'll take your last breath? Anybody know when that's going to be? That would be a great thing to know. I know there's a lot of people that would love to know that. I got a letter from a guy that I ministered to when I first got here. He came by the church one day, and, and I just started ministering to him and loving on him, and he's been in and out of jail three or four times since I've been here. I just got a letter from him, came in the mail, got it on the mailbox this morning. He, he's, he's in prison now. He said, I did enough little small things that I've ended up in the big house. He said, but pastor, he said, I, I hear your voice in my head. I didn't die lost and on the street. He said, I'm in prison where I'm reading my Bible every day and I'm praying every day. And he said, if this is where I had to come to make sure that my heart was right with him, he said, then praise God. We, we have no idea when that time is coming. And some of us are walking around with one foot in the world and we don't know when we're going to take our last breath. I want to be all in. I want to be sold out. I want to give all I have to receive all of the kingdom. 
Look at this. Go to Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, 24 says, Then he said to them, If anyone desires to come after me, this is Jesus speaking, let him deny himself. Lord, can we, can we take that part off? Let him deny himself and take up his cross Sundays. Wednesday nights. I'll be really, really religious, and I'll even show up Sunday night. No, let him take his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. When I walked away from the things of this world, it wasn't that God, I said this last week, it wasn't that God wanted me to be poor. He doesn't want me to be poor. It wasn't that God, that, that, that if you're in here and you've sold cars or something, that you're, you know, you, you, you've done the abominable sin or what. That's not what it is. It's just I had a calling on my life, and I had to make a decision to give my all to that calling. I had a decision to pick up my cross and follow after him. Are you willing to give your all for the kingdom? We all know people that are lost. We all know people that if they died today would not make it to heaven. And yet, do we share the good news? Do we talk to them about Jesus? Do we do everything according to Colossians 3.23 as unto the Lord, not as unto man? Do we make every opportunity to speak and to live the kingdom? I know somebody, and I won't say because they're probably watching on Facebook Live, that I've, I've ministered to so many times. And he said, he said, well, just keep praying for me. I said, I do, but the reality is my prayers won't get you in. you got to pray that prayer. you got to be the one to make that decision. It's, it's time to quit playing church, and it's time to be the church. If you'll, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever's willing to lose it for my sake, the M is capital. It's Jesus. If you're willing to lose it, if you're willing to give your all for Jesus, you'll save yours. Why? For the treasure. For the treasure. What's the treasure? The kingdom of God. What comes with the kingdom of God? Power. Matthew 6.10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. This is how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. But if we, you know, and we hear people, they'll quote this. They, they call it the Lord's Prayer. And we'll hear people that say this, Lord, give me my, this day my daily bread. Forgive me my trespasses. I forgive those trespasses against me. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we really, truly want that? Well, it depends on how you're living your life. It depends on, on how you're going about your daily walk. On whether or not you truly want to see the kingdom of heaven here on earth. 
Jesus told us to pray that the kingdom of God would not be something we sit and wait on, but something that we pray and expect to take place in the here and now. Look at this, Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, 20 and 21. Now when he had asked the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. It's in your heart. It's in your being. Again, it's, it's, it's living more spiritual than we are fleshly. The kingdom of God, if you're truly sold out, if you've picked up your cross, if you've died daily, if you said, Lord, come into my heart, be Lord of my life. I, I, was, I remember years ago, everything changed for me several years ago when I was listening to an evangelist by the name of Brian Jarrett. And Brian Jarrett said, I realized I was going out and I was doing a lot of street ministry and I was praying with a lot of people and they were asking Jesus to come in and be their Savior. He said, I'd pray with them this, this sinner's prayer but then I would run into them a couple weeks later and they were right back into the same mess that they were in. He said, I was sitting there walking around. I said, I, I had to start marking salvations down in pencil so I could erase it. He said, and then the, the Lord one day during prayer spoke to me. He said, you're asking the wrong question. You're asking them if they want to be saved. He said, and they all want to be saved. He said, the question you need to be asking, are you willing to make him Lord? He said, because if they make me Lord, they'll get salvation. True salvation. So Brian Jarrett said he started going out and he started witnessing people. He said, are you ready today to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life? And people would look at him and say, well, I want to be saved. He's like, yeah, but do you want to make him Lord of your life? They said, well, what does that mean? It says that everything that you do from this point forward, you do it as unto Jesus. Every decision that you make, you run it by Him first. Every time that you spend money, you ask Him if it's what He wants you to spend money on. Every time you buy something, you ask Him if it's what you want to buy. Every decision you make, you run it by Him because now He's the one that's Lord of your life, not you. He said, what I realized is I wasn't leading as many people in the sinner's prayer. He said, but those that I were leading... He said they were still two, three, four, five, six months down the road still doing what they were supposed to do. Because the kingdom of God is not something that you live in. The kingdom of God is something that lives in you. You can have the kingdom of God in you and still live in these United States of America and it's going to hell in a handbasket, but you're still going to make it to heaven because you got the kingdom inside of you. The kingdom is in us. The definition of kingdom is royal power and dignity which is conferred on Christians in the Messiah's kingdom. Now I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. The problem is, is too many people have no idea what they've lost because they never really knew what they had. Too many people have no idea what they've lost because they had no idea what they really had. Too many people are living, living with one foot in the, the world because they really never experienced all of the kingdom of heaven. When you've experienced the kingdom of heaven, it'll change your life. It'll transform you. 
Listen, when, when, when I, you know, it doesn't mean that you're going to quit having bad days. Jesus told us that we're still going to have trials and tribulations in this world, but he's overcome this world. But I'm telling you, when you, when you, when you get to that place of glory, when you've had an encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, a true encounter, it will wreck you forever in this life. I've had such encounters. I've had visitations from the Lord. I've had dreams and visions where the Lord has spoke to me. I've had encounters with God where He's touched my body, where I've, I've prayed for people and He's worked through me and He's touched other people. I have, I have, I have received that experience of walking in the kingdom power. And I think so many times people are like, well, well how come He doesn't speak to me? He does. Are you reading your Bible regularly? Are you praying regularly? Are you spending time with Him regularly? And if you're spending time with Him regularly, if you're seeking Him regularly, if you're calling out to Him and desiring to be with Him all the time, if you've made Him Lord of your life, He'll transform you. The kingdom is within. Most Christians do not understand the power of the kingdom of God that's within them, and that's why they're not living the abundant life. Many churches do not accomplish, many churches do not accomplish all that God has for them to accomplish because they do not understand the power of the kingdom of God that is within them. Many churches do not accomplish all that they're so, supposed to accomplish because they don't understand the power. There's so many churches around here, churches that, that have even changed their doctrine. I've even talked to, to pastors here lately that have changed their doctrine over the last couple of years where they have become reformed. Anybody here know what that means, be reformed? Reformed theology. They, they, they believe in the limited atonement. There's no limit on His atonement. They're, they're walking around and they're seeing people in their church that are dying of sicknesses and they don't understand because they believe in the limited atonement. They believe that, 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 that God has already chosen who's going to be saved so there's no sense in us giving an altar call. Last year they asked me, I don't know if they'll ask me this coming year, but they already made the mistake last year. They asked me last year, they said, hey, it's, it's, it's Holy Week. So we swapped churches and we, we let different pastors preach at other churches. They said, and, and, the, and the Catholic priest called me. He said, hey, would you like to come preach at St. Pat's? I said, brother, bucket list. Two churches. I've, I mean, I've preached in all kinds of denominations of churches. My wife, she, she told me years ago, she said, you need to quit, quit saying have gospel, we'll travel. Because I've taken her to some crazy churches. But I said, two churches that I want to preach in. Catholic Church and the Church of Christ. I got one of them down. I'm waiting for the next. I preached in the Catholic Church. I preached on the blood of Jesus, and I gave an altar call, and six people got saved. Listen, I'm going to give altar calls. You know why? Because there is no guarantee. God has not already said, he's getting in, she's not. He says, I desire that none should perish that all should come to repentance we need to keep preaching the gospel we need to quick keep we need to keep preaching we need to keep giving altar calls 
Because we need to get people to where the kingdom is down inside of them. Churches don't accomplish what God called them to accomplish because they don't understand the power of the kingdom. I want us, church, to understand the power of the kingdom. I want, I want us to be so sold out for Jesus that we're all in. We don't get tired. We don't get weary. We, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't, you know, we, we just start, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. Sickness, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. Tired, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. You got to want to. You got to want to. You got you to gotta want to, to reach outside these walls. You got to want to, to do everything we can to reach our community. You, listen, we went back to Facebook Live. We quit doing Facebook Live, number one, because our sound was terrible. It's still not great, but we're working on it. But I started getting emails and I started getting texts from people that were outside this area. They couldn't possibly drive here. And they said, Pastor, we miss seeing you on Sunday mornings. We got people from our own church that cannot get here to church because of physical things. They, they said, Pastor, we miss seeing you live. We've even had to miss a couple of services because things didn't work and record the way it needed to. We're not going to miss those opportunities. I want everybody to see. I want everybody to hear. I want everybody to receive what God has for them. We're going to preach the Word. Go with me real quickly. It's past 12 o'clock, but it's Pastor Frankie's fault. Just blame him. Go to Matthew chapter 16. Thank you, brother. <laughs> I'll say thank you. I don't know if everybody, but you know. Matthew 16. Seriously, we'll... we'll, we'll wrap up right here in just a second pick up next week but I want you to look at this praise the Lord there's two gonna get a third four to five to five to six Matthew 16 verse 13 when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples saying who do men say that I am so they said some say John the Baptist some Elijah others Jeremiah or one of the prophets he said to them but who do you say that I am? I love going and talking to people. You know, just walk up and be like, hey, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Who do you say that he is? Who? You're a Christian, right? Right. So who do you say that he is? Who? You're a Christian, right? Yes. Who do you say that he is? And they just look at you because they're like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Then maybe you're not a Christian. Who do you say that he is? He's Lord of my life. He's my healer. He's my rock. He's my deliverer. He's my strength. He's my provider. He's my overcomer. He's my sufficient one. He is all things. Who do you say that he is? Man, that's what I. Mm. All right. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, you, Peter, and on this rock, 
I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Upon you, Peter. Now listen, he's not just saying, you know, this is where the, the Catholics miss it. It's, 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 it's Peter. Peter was an example just like Adam was an example. Now I'm going to get way in trouble, so I'm going to pump the brakes and back up. When you, when you start reading in Romans, you understand Adam, we say Adam in our Bible was man. He was man. Adam was a, an example. When, when Adam sinned, all became sin. When Jesus died and we all are in Jesus, we're all saved. When he said, you, Peter, he wasn't saying it's just you, Peter. He says, I'm using you, Peter, as an example that those that are in the kingdom, those that get the kingdom inside of them, the gates of Hades will not prevail against them. When we get the kingdom of heaven, when we get the kingdom of God inside of us, I rebuke you. Verse 19, he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The gates of hell could not prevail against his church. I told you, he can't come in here. The devil can't get in here. The gates of hell cannot prevail against his church. The, the, the word church is the ecclesia. It's the ecclesia. The ecclesia was never intended to be a place just for gathering. The ecclesia was created to be a governmental body. The church, mentioned right here in Matthew, first time it's mentioned is right here in Matthew, the church is the Greek word ecclesia. The ecclesia, this that we're doing right here, was never created to be a just a gathering place. God never created this thing to be Sunday morning only, Wednesday night, Sunday. God never created. It's not just a gathering place. God created the ecclesia to be a governmental body. We are the body of the government, the kingdom of God. We are the body of the kingdom of God. We are the body of His power. When we get a hold of this revelation, church, when we get a hold of the thing that we're, there, there, there's something greater inside of us. When we understand that we who are in Christ are citizens of His kingdom, not just, not just this kingdom on earth, we are, we are citizens of royalty. Look at what 1 Peter 2.9 says. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Look at this. That's what we were talking about. I get to finish where I started. We're a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. His own special people that we would what? Proclaim the praises. That we would proclaim the He called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. He healed your body. He saved you from the, from the uttermost. He said as far as the east is from the west. We've got something to praise Him. The question is, two questions. 
One, who do you say that he is? And number two, do you have the kingdom inside of you? So many people come to church to get into the kingdom. But Jesus said the kingdom is not a place. The kingdom is inside of you. Quit trying to come to church to get into some place and let some place get down inside of you. Listen, when you, start letting, when you start letting the kingdom get down inside of you, it will wreck you for this world. It will change your life forever. You need to get it down. You need to pick up your cross daily. You need to sell all for the greatest treasure to have the kingdom of God inside of you. Amen? Thank you so much for listening to the podcast of Life Church. If you are looking for a home church, please visit us at 100 Todd Road in Perry, Georgia, or check out our website at lifechurchga.com.